0: Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> hey, y'all know in a roller coaster when you put the thing on and it's like tick, 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 and you're going up the thing, it's like tick, tick, tick. That's the announcements for me. Like it's like tick-tick tick. And then the announcements mess up and it's like <laughs> uh roller coaster broken. So um, welcome to Life Church. I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. Um don't be awkward. <laughs> uh hey. Just I just want to tell y'all whenever new people come to the church I try to talk to new people but just so y'all know I'm not good at that <laughs> like I'm I'm super awkward cuz I only know a couple of questions what's your name and then what's your job and then I just will stare at you and it's uncomfortable for you and it's uncomfortable for me so um I will try to meet you though and we're going to be uncomfortable together <laughs> So anyway um what i think our church is really good at and we've talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks is we're really good at being welcoming and we're authentic like you will not hear when you when you'll not hear us saying that we have it all together and we've got it all figured out uh you'll hear the opposite of that um what like in first service the computer died during the countdown it like just just died like dead because the charger broke apparently um and so no, during worship, none of the words were on the screen, um, and so no one sang because they were just here to watch, uh, which was cool. Um, but uh, what I hope is that we always hold on to that standard of authenticity and, and being welcoming, because uh, that's really who we are. It's what we're about, right? Yes. All right, everybody, say life is, life is good. This is like our this is like become our motto on accident. Life is good, um, even when it seems like the world is falling apart. Even when it seems like nothing can go right. Life is good because we know that God is still on the throne of heaven, right? So, and he always will be. We don't have to worry about that. No matter what happens, if you are a, a believer, if you have, have put your trust and your hope in Jesus and, the, and you find him as your treasure, the end of your life, you get heaven. And no matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad that roller coaster ride gets, we get heaven at the end. Right? So that's a good thing. So we are going through the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 9. And I have to, uh, I have to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap. I, I had planned on finishing John chapter 9 today. Last week we started it, and I was going to finish the whole chapter in two sermons. <laughs> oh, I don't know what y'all were thinking with that one. So uh, we're not going to finish John chapter 9 today. Um, but we're going to, last week we covered the beginning of the chapter, and uh, it was this uh, man who was born blind was healed. Um, and so, just before that, to give you some context of John chapter nine, um, Jesus had been um, causing com- some uh, controversy in the temple, <laughs> or controversy. Okay, uh, and so he had he had said, "I am. I, you guys claim to be sons of Abraham, but I am greater than Abraham. I am, basically, I am God." He, he called himself an equal with God, and so the Jews pick up stones to, to throw stones at him to kill him, and then he puts on Harry Potter's invisibility cloak and disappears and just, like, somehow slips out, of the, slips out of the church, out of the temple, and as they're going out, they see this guy who was born blind, and he was a beggar, and so Jesus hawks up a loogie, makes some mud, and he puts it in his eyes, which is gross, right? Yeah. Do we agree that's gross? Yes. Like, even though in the end, it was great. Like, it's like childbirth. Childbirth is like disgusting. Okay, it's really gross. For those of you that haven't been in the room, the sights w- terrible. Just g- gross. The the like the smells. Say something you don't even think about. But the sounds are the worst. Because there's not like something in there to cover the sound. It's just you hear the I'm not going to try to do an impression. It's bad. It's just bad. So anyway, it's disgusting. But babies are wonderful, even though they look like little aliens when they first come out. But babies are wonderful. They're beautiful. I love, I love kids. Y'all know, if you've been around me any, any amount of time, I love kids. But it's pretty gross how they get here. So um, it's the, the, I love that the guy that was born blind was... He can now see, that's beautiful, the sight is, but it's kind of gross that there's loogie mud in his eyes, okay, right? Are y'all with me? All right, so let's get into John. They brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been, who had formerly been blind. So everybody that sees him, all his neighbors, they're like, hey, wait a minute, you were blind, how are you not, let's take him to the most religious people we know, the people that were the leaders of society. y'all know how we can trust the people in leadership in our society, Right? (laughs) We're going to talk about politics in a little bit, but uh, <clears throat> not far be it from me to ever do something like that. Um, but the, so they take him. Let's take him to the leaders so that we can find out what's really going on here. Surely the leaders will have the answers. And so the, they. The, here's something to take note of. This guy who was born blind had been led around his entire life by he. He couldn't go anywhere. He was basically of no use to anyone in society. So they would lead him over to the the front of the temple, and then he would beg all day, and then they would lead him home because he couldn't go anywhere on his own. So this guy had been radically changed, and still they're leading him around places. And still they're like, hey, we're going to take you to the Pharisees. Come with us. And they take him to the Pharisees. Look, when your life is radically changed, nothing should look the same. It should be different. Everything should be different. You should be different. No part of you should stay the same. There is going to be some things in this guy's life that are going to be radically changed. Now that he can see, he is going to have to get a job. He is going to have to work. He's going to have to do some things with that radical new freedom that he has, right? You, with your radical new freedom, there's going to have to be some changes. It can't be like it was before. It should not be like it was before, right? So now it was the Sabbath day, and Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So this is a huge, huge no-no. You cannot do this kind of thing on the Sabbath of all days. The Pharisees were the strictest group in Ju- of, of Judaism, and so they were very careful to study and obey every part of the law. They, they even made up extra rules just to make sure that they were following all the things. That, you know, that happens in Christian denominations. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative right now. I will in a minute. But I'm not saying anything negative about any specific denomination. But denominations can take the truth and then they can add to it to make it, you know, better. Like they're going to take the word and make it better. And I don't think that's their intent. They're just saying, this is how we interpret it. And that's exactly what the Jews had done. They had taken the word and they had interpreted. Jesus was constantly challenging the Pharisees about their extra regulations. If you look at the way that the the Pharisees interacted with people... And the way they interacted with Jesus, you'll see that they weren't adding those extra rules so that they could make it better. They were adding extra rules so that they could tell you how bad your life is. Because they weren't trying to live live righteously by any stretch. So um, the, whenever Jesus pushed back on them, especially when it came to the Sabbath, the Sabbath was like a huge, huge deal. Sometimes people add to the rules because they don't think the rules go far enough, and they didn't think the rules went anywhere close to far enough. So the Pharisees Pharisees thought they could make it better. The, the Sabbath is very simple to understand. Here's what it says. This is the entire law when it comes to the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the traveler who is within your gates. It's Very simple, right? Just do that. Just do that. That's all you have to do. So what the the Jewish tradition was, they had these oral traditions, and they they actually had 24 chapters in their in their Mishnah, their their oral tradition that dealt with the Sabbath. And, And so they were trying to figure out, here's the rules, they were trying to figure out what does it mean to honor the Sabbath. Whenever you're honoring a Sabbath, what does it mean? And so they got really, really detailed. They have a whole chapter in that that deals with what is okay for animals to wear on the Sabbath day. Like, I know some of y'all put, like, sweaters on your dogs, because <laughs> y'all are weirdos. Like, the people that, that like, love... Uh, does anybody in here have a pet at home that you legit think is a member of the family? It's like... <laughs> I can't look at you. <laughs> so and they y'all put like so they had rules like I didn't think it was gonna be that many. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> I thought for sure one person's gonna oh man. I love you guys. There was one section that said this. This is crazy. An, an eye salve or a plaster for the eye, if it was put on for pleasure, was lawful, but not for healing. Hey, you can wear an eye patch. But only for fun. You can't wear an eye patch for healing. That's against the rules. They had completely lost sight. The Pharisees had completely lost sight of of what is good and what is right and what is important. And they got focused on the wrong things. And look, we can't take God's word and make it better. No matter how wild our dreams are, we cannot imagine a way to make God's word better. It is good. It is still good today. Just because we're no longer under the law doesn't mean that the law is not good. The law is good. It's still good to follow the law. We, do you agree with that? Yes. It's still good for us to, to honor the Sabbath. I'm going to show you this thing. Like As I'm doing my research, this, this blew my mind. So, Sociologists were doing this, uh, this study about the happiest people on earth. And this is an extensive study that was like over decades. And as they're doing the study, the there were this group that was at the very top of the group of the these people, the happiest people on earth, was this group of Christians called Seventh Day Adventists. Seventh Day Adventists would vigilantly, they were vigilant about keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was the big. It's in their name, like Seventh Day Adventists. They were keeping the Sabbath. That was their like their 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 they were all about keeping the sabbath so they were they were very very all about the sabbath so not only were they the happiest people on earth but on average they would live 11 years longer than the average american 11 years i need you to remember the 11 years thing cuz it's going to be important in a second so these people that were were would rigorously observe sabbath the sabbath They lived 11 years longer. So the average lifespan in America is 77 years long. Let's see how many days that is. So 365, I'm showing you the math because y'all don't trust me and y'all be fact-checking me. Y'all not believe how often I get fact-checked. Every week. It's fine because I don't have feelings. So Um, so, 365 days times 77 years is 28,105 days. So whenever you see that number, 28,105 days of of life, so how many Sabbath days is that? Let's take that number, 28,105, and divide it by seven because there's one Sabbath day in every week. So 28,105 is 4,015. We have 4,015 Sabbath days that a 77-year-old would experience, the average American would experience in their life. So if someone were to, let's take that, that um if someone were to to honor the sabbath every every single week of their entire life how many years would that be it's exactly 11 years so 4015 divided by 365 is exactly 11 years i'm sure this is a, it's a coincidence right like it's just a, it's totally a coincidence that These people who were giving God one day of the week, wholeheartedly giving God one day of the week, that at the end of their life, God gives it back to them. That's just a coincidence, right? It's like God essentially says, every time you give to me, I will give it back to you. And not only that, these people were happier, so he gave them something back that was better. Every time you give to God, he gives you back something better. And we're not talking about tithing, though that is something. Every time you give to God, every time you submit something to God, he gives you back better. And the Sabbath is just one of the many, many things that he just gives it back to you better than you could have ever imagined. So, so the Pharisees again asked him how... Wait, that's pretty profound, right? I was just making sure y'all were with me. Y'all were super quiet. So the Pharisees asked again, uh, asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Pretty simple. Put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Jesus wasn't violating the word of God. He was violating their opinion of the word of God. It's very important that we understand Jesus never violated any part of the word of God because he he lived his entire life without sin. We believe that, right? Right? All he did was he violated their opinion of what the Word of God said and what was most important. They had had as much value placed on their traditions as they did on Scripture. Jesus didn't have to worry about that same hurdle that they had to follow their tradition. He didn't have the the same tradition as them. He was like, you know, we're just going to follow the Word of God. He just obeyed the Word, and that's it. And because he didn't have to worry about pleasing God by doing all these extra things, he was just obedient, and that pleases God. We can get the same way in our in our denominational tr- um, understanding of what we're supposed to do. What Life Church has done is we, I mean, we believe that the, if the Word of God says to do something, we're going to do that thing. You can do more things, other things, as long as it doesn't violate the Word of God, right? We don't, um, we don't allow our traditions to be the thing that, uh, that's, is, that overrides the Word of God. Where the Word of God and our tradition, um, uh, they don't agree, we change our tradition. Right? So man-made religion adds rules and traditions where the Word of God does not. Religion and tradition is constricting, it's oppressive where the Word of God is freeing. Now you may think, sometimes I'll read the word and the word will tell me not to do a thing. Everywhere that the word tells you not to do a thing, it is for your freedom's sake. It is not to constrict you from having freedom. It is to give you freedom. If you look at no no sex until marriage or no sex outside of your marriage, that is a freeing thing. That is to prevent you from being hurt. Are y'all with me? So everywhere that there's a that there is something that the Bible says, that thing, that commandment, is to give you freedom, ultimate freedom. And everywhere that when when religion steps in and says, hey, I have a list of rules. You have to follow all of these rules. That's not freeing, that's oppressive. And religion, as we know, can become oppressive. That's what happened with the Pharisees. The Pharisees had all of this, all of these things where they were trying to oppress the people. And we're like, we're the only people that know God. We're the only people that can know how to live. And so you have to do what we say. And it's happened all throughout history. That the people want to be in power. And so what they do is they they gain that power. How many churches? Have you seen that? Christian churches, have you seen that? Where the pastor, like it's a point and you work really hard and you can be at the very top and the pastor's at the point and he's the one that like everything goes through the pastor. That's not how it is here. I will tell you, go to the Bible, do what the Bible says. And if you find or you think, hey, something you said doesn't, I don't understand that the way you understand it. Or, or you can say what most people say, hey, you're stupid. You said something wrong. Like, people, I'm so glad y'all love me so much because you come to me and you're like, hey, that's not what I think the Bible says. You said something that the Bible doesn't say and, and we can have a conversation about it. It's fine. You're really, honestly, you're not gonna hurt me. Like, please do because if I can help you to understand something or we find that we're not gonna agree on that thing, you can be free to go find somewhere where you can f- agree with people, okay? Yes. Some of y'all, you can leave and I'll be happy. Not, it's not a good way to, to grow a crowd. About <laughs> so their traditions, the traditions of the Pharisees were always taking them in the wrong direction. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus said it like this in Mark. He said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. So what they would do is, and this actually came up because the, uh, the, the disciples were not washing their hands the traditional way that the Pharisees said they had to do it, they were not getting their hands clean. The way they washed their hands was not to clean their hands. It was just this tradition that they had. And the Pharisees were all bent out of shape because the the disciples wouldn't do it that way. Um, and then Jesus says, you, "You're gonna you sidestep God's law in order to follow your tradition because your tradition's more important to you than God's law is." As a matter of fact, you say, I mean, the, the word says you're supposed to honor your father and mother. But you say, you know what, I decided I was going to give a gift to God, so instead of giving that gift to God, I mean, instead of honoring my parents, I'm going to give that gift to God. And he's like, no, 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 you do what the Word says because the the Word is more important than your tradition. Do you agree with that? Yes. that historically, this has been a hurdle for the Catholic Church. Now, I'm speaking generally, not specifically, because I don't know how... Like if you are connected with a Catholic church some way, I don't know how that church operates. Historically, the Catholic church has gotten into the, the business of, of having all these extra regulations that are not in the Bible, okay? Are y'all, are, you, if you know anything about the Catholic church, you know that I'm speaking truth here. Um, and so the traditions of the church end up having the same authority and the same weight and the same value as the scriptures do. Um, like when one weird, like if they, they decide that they have to wear a certain kind of robe, well, that's now a tradition, and they have to do that. They all have to, they all have to follow that. It's not just Catholics that, that can fall into this same kind of thing. We like to be comfortable. We can fall into that. If, if, um, if I were to say, hey, like next week we come in, we're going to have church, and I come up and preach, and then we do the music after that, y'all would lose your chili. Like, y'all would totally be like, what, where am I? Did I? Am I here late? What happened? Y'all would lose your mind. You would, like, be chanting, no, we won't. Like, and it's just like you would, you would be angry because you like to be comfortable. Like, we've never done it that way before. We don't want to do it like that. The tradition is not more important than the word. Be careful whenever you think that your tradition makes something right. I want to be really clear. I'm not against tradition. I'm not against you having, having traditions, but I'm saying where the word and your tradition don't line up, one of those needs to change, and you don't change the word. The word is the same always, right? So um, what's most important is that you come into contact with God and that you, you come to know and love Jesus that you're drawing close to him. And it might be that you come to know Jesus, have an intimate relationship with Jesus in a church that just sings hymns and doesn't have any musical instruments. If that were, if that's what draws you, then great, good for you. Or it might be that that what draws you to Jesus is a church that has lasers and fog machines and, and a Starbucks in the lobby. And like, maybe that's what you need. And you know what? We look at churches like that When I say we, not me, you. Like legit. This is one time I can say, I don't do this. Y'all do this. Y'all are like, oh, those churches are bad. I hate Joe Loske. Like, calm down, bro. Like that brings people to Jesus. Whether you agree with their methods or not, if you don't agree with their methods, you know what you can do? Not go there. But otherwise, shut up. And I say it see, I say it like this so you don't feel threatened. Shut up. Just don't go there. And if you feel like this place is drawing you to Jesus, then I'm so glad that you will continue to come here and get your feelings hurt every week by me being mean to you while I'm preaching. So, uh, but be careful about traditions. The Pharisees had, had elevated their traditions above the law of God. And as a result, they're calling Jesus, the only one ever to live without sin, they're calling him a sinner. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. They want to know what the guy's like. Okay, look, we got to figure this out. Let's ask the one guy who knows. Like, what do you think? And, they, and he said, well, I, I think he's a prophet. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. They're like, it doesn't seem possible that this sinner, who we, this guy that we know as a sinner, can heal someone who's born blind. And so they wonder, it's like, is this guy really the guy that's been born blind? So they call the parents in. And, and they ask them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents said, uh-huh. they said, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind. But how he now sees, like, we don't know how his eyes have been opened. Like, we don't, we don't know. These people, look, in our society, church is a, a, unfortunately, it's a small part of society. It's a part of society, but it's a small part. In their culture, church was like, your religion, your relationship with God was number one. It was the most important thing in their society. And so these parents were really worried about being excommunicated. If if I were to come to you and excommunicate you, I don't even know how that would work, but if I were to come to you and say, hey, you know how you've been coming here? Don't. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't, I've never done that in all my life. I've never kicked someone out of church and said, you're not allowed to come here. I have asked people to go, honestly, I've asked people to say, look, you complain about everything about this place. Why don't you find a place where you don't feel like you're, you have to complain about everything? Like, it's fine. Um, and so being excommunicated, if you were excommunicated from here, you just go find another church. It's easy. Being excommunicated there, way bigger deal. Way, way bigger deal. They had this, two, two forms of excommunication. One was called Nidui, and Nidui was, um, look, you're gonna think I made this up because of what's happened in our world in the last few years, but in Nidui, you had to stay at least six feet away from other people <laughs> for a period of 30 days. Like 14 days to stop the spread. You know, you had to, you can't spread that sin around. So you had to stay six feet away, from people for thirty days. And if you repented, if you if you repented of your sin, then after thirty days, your excommunication is over and you can come back into the group. The other one, the bad one, was Sherem. And Sherem was where you were completely cut off from every Jewish person for the rest of your life. This was a really, really big deal. There's a lot of, of attention drawn. They would they would they had this solemn ceremony. They would blow trumpets. There's a sinner here. And they would, they would everyone would come, like gather around as they draw, as they, they blow the trumpets and they would, they would light this candle. And then they would read the curse out loud. Let great and real stripes be upon him and many and violent diseases. Isn't this like the godly people you want to be around? And they're reading it and they say, and, and let his star be dark in the clouds and let him be forever let him, be, let him be for indignation, wrath, and anger. Let his silver and his gold be given to others. And they read this curse out loud, and then they blow out the candle because it, that signifies that they're no longer worthy of heavenly light. And then, like, so what do the parents do? They're so worried that this is going to happen to them. They're like, we don't want a ceremony. We don't want a ceremony. So they so say, so what, what, is this your son? Like, how, how, how can your son see? And they're like, we don't know. He grown. <laughs> Why don't you ask him? <laughs> like, our son is a grown man. You can ask him. We don't have anything to do. Like, he didn't even live in our house anymore. He's like, he stays, he stays over there. Like we, like, we don't want to have anything. So it says, therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had, been born blind, who had been blind, and they said to him, Give God glory. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know is I was blind, and now I see. Like, this dude is spitting facts. Like, they said, So why do you feel about this guy? Like, we know he's a sinner. Don't you agree? He's a sinner. He's bad, right? Yeah, he's bad. So, uh, so um, how, how is it that you see? He's like, I don't, Look, I don't know how he did it. I'm not going to give you my opinion. He gave you his opinion whenever you asked. like, you ask for my opinion, I say he's a prophet. But here's some facts. I was blind and now I see. That is a fact. Have you heard the phrase, I'm just going to talk about some, something that's going to get you uncomfortable a little bit. You've heard the phrase, my facts don't care about your feelings. Like we've heard the phrase because we've all been online. When, when you should not say that phrase... Because facts really don't, in, in all reality, facts don't care about opinions. Because facts don't care about anything, they're just facts, it's data. You, however, should care about people's feelings. Whenever you are spitting facts about people that don't believe the way you believe, whether it's, whether it's about the Bible, or whether it's about your politics, or whether it's about what's going on in our culture, no matter what, whenever you're just saying, well, these are facts, just listen to the facts, and you completely ignore people's feelings, you're shutting them down. The healed man, the healed blind man isn't trying to speculate on his feelings. He's just saying, look, these are the facts. I was blind, and now I see. We live in an opinion-rich society. No matter what, if you were to, to go home today and try to come up with the craziest opinion about anything under the sun, you can find a group of people that believe that thing no matter what the opinion is, you can find people that believe that lizard people are running the country. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> you can find, look, you can find all kinds of groups of support, of echo chambers for every opinion you have. Now, look, I need to talk to Life Church for a minute. It's going to get uncomfortable. So, we feel very strongly. This is true. We feel very strongly about standing up for the truth with a capital T for standing up for the word and unwaveringly standing up for the truth of the word. Yes or yes. Amen. Okay. Sometimes we carry that same passionate zeal for standing up for our opinions and we blur the lines. And and I'm not talking about the church in America. I'm talking to you and me, probably more me than, than you or some of you, but I'm talking to us, all of us, okay? Most of our opinions are quite strong because that's the kind of people we are. We're passionate people. Um, And often our opinions aren't necessarily based on facts. They're based on what someone has told us, right? Oftentimes our opinions are based on who we are, like just how we're wired. I want to show you, there was this English professor who wrote these words on his board, and he said, he told the students to punctuate these words. I'm not even going to read it out loud because I learned I can't even read the words out loud without saying it with, with my bias, okay? Here's the words. He wrote these words on the board and he said, all right, I want you students to punctuate it. So the men come up and punctuate it. And they say, woman, without her without her man is nothing, right? That's how it should be punctuated? <laughs> Y'all being quiet now. And then the women come up and they say, woman, Without her, man is nothing. So with, if you're married, you know the right one to say that this one is. Uh, so it's a matter of opinion. We're all looking at the same words. We all have an idea, but especially our political opinions are opinions, in all caps, and not eternal I really expected at least like a mm-hmm or an amen or something. <laughs> like I just read that slide and like I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna give you a chance. This time I expect you to respond. You can disagree, I don't care. Um our political our political opinions are opinions and not eternal. Amen. <laughs> amen. That's that's look if I just want you to, to think back to the last this since the beginning of twenty twenty, because that's when all y'all got real political. Okay. Um Think back over the last few years. I want you to think about how many eternity-based conversations have you missed out on because of your political opinions. How many times have we shut people out because those people believe something different than I believe and I'm not going to be able to agree with anything. Um, It's not wrong to have opinions. You can't prevent yourself from having opinions Um, You're going to have opinions, but when you think your opinion is fact, then you have a problem because your opinion is not fact. Your opinion is just that. If your opinion is based on Anderson or Tucker, then you have a problem. Your opinion can't be based on what other people tell you. Listen, just uh, being real with you, your opinion about the Word cannot be based on what I tell you. I could be wrong. That's why you have a way to find out what the Word says. We have free Bibles. They're on the shelf back there. Take one. If you don't have a Bible, you can download the app. R- research the things that I'm telling you. Whenever we like, we have our life groups, we talk about the things that come up in the sermon. We talk about that our, our life groups are based on... The sermon, so you get to have discussion about the scriptures. You get discussion about the ideas that I'm sharing that are based on that. So we all we can have some really strong ideas about God, right? We have some strong ideas. Look, life church people in particular have some really strong ideas on church. They have some really strong ideas on how ministry should be done. They have some really strong ideas on how we should do outreach into the community. They have really strong ideas on how youth ministry should be done or how children's ministry should be done. Or how worship should be... Look, trust me, this is the one we get a lot. We ha- pe- our people have some really strong ideas on how the music should be done. And they tell us all the time. And it's fine. If you don't like our worship, it's fine. You can just sit there and not like it. It's okay. Like, we don't care if you don't like it. It's fine. Like, we love you. Try to enter in. Whenever you come and you say, I don't like worship. Do you know what you're really saying? Worship isn't what you get from the people playing music up here. Worship is what you give. And so when you say, I don't, I don't like worship, you're saying, I don't like my stinky attitude about myself. So you should just come and give to the Lord, okay? And, and get over it. It's like, you, you have opinions. Traditions or opinions can be based on the things that you've been told growing up. But I've said this a million times, God does not have any grandchildren. He only has children. And so you can't live through your parents' faith. Uh, you can you can only have a relationship directly with God. You don't this is not one of those religions where you have to go through the leader in order to get to to God. You go directly to God. Uh, you you no matter what, you go directly to God. And if if you want to know the way to know like the you know the best way to the the argument for the existence of God. You 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 think about all these things that are like, let me figure out evolution, or let me figure out some some facts of some some ways that are just undeniable. The guy told us in the story. The blind guy tells us in the story. I was blank, and now I'm blank. I was blind, and now I see. You argue with it all you want, but this was a fact. I was blind, and this is a fact. Now I see you can argue with like f- for me i was lonely and now i'm loved i was i was deaf but now i hear i was i was broken but now i'm healed i was sick but now i'm healed i i was uh, lost and now i'm found i was alone and now i'm connected like all of these things like that's the way you prove the existence of god to people don't don't worry about knowing every single word that the bible says just Look, I was this, and now I'm this. This is the way he answered. He said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know, but I know this. I was blind, and now I'm seeing. Hashtag facts. Like, I was blind, and now I see. Nobody can argue with him about this. They can say all the things. Well, wait, that guy's a sinner. He can't do that. Okay. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. Was, I was dead, and now I'm alive. He knows better than anyone. So just speak on what you do know. Like, we life church we are a group of people that are grounded in the word and we truly have a heart to love and serve the lost that's what we're about that's what our church is about and when we do that what we're doing is we're following the example of jesus because that's what jesus did jesus came to give his life as a ransom for the lost for you and that's what we try to do. Is that's what I try to do with my life. I try to give my life as a ransom to draw people in to a relationship with Jesus. I, when we moved here and we started the church, we wanted to to seek and save the lost, and we we are still about that. But what we're finding is it's people that are disenfranchised with the church are coming in and they're like, I didn't know church could be like this. And sometimes they say, I didn't know church could be like this. And sometimes they say, I didn't know church could be like this. It's a good thing. And we don't have all the answers, but we're going to keep searching until we, we get them. We're going to keep drawing close to the Lord until we know that, that we're in that spot where he wants us to be. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you so much uh, that you continue to, to just pour your love out on us, to lavish your love out on your kids, that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. We thank you uh, that, that we have your word. And anywhere in our lives where we see that our traditions or our opinions are not lined up with the word, we dismiss those. We lay those at your feet. And we only want to see people and to see things the way that you see them, that they are someone that you died for. And so we want to, uh, to draw them into that relationship with you, with every part of our life. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.